notes to say. But um, I guess I'll hand those out and make sure that I get one. Um, I do want to say thank you to the Palace of Praise uh, for the gifts you guys gave us recently. Uh, thank you very, very much. We uh, went the other night uh, to uh, the Gospel Christmas and uh, went out to eat beforehand, which you guys had given us as a gift. And it was very good, and we really enjoyed ourselves. So thank you very, very much for that. I know I speak for my wife. It was very, very kind. And then also uh, we went on the boat cruise the other night. I told my wife, December, we're kind of loaded. So it's... Uh, it's my birthday, anniversary, Christmas, everything. Get everything done in one month, you know. So that's what all that stuff was for and everything. So, again, thank you very, very much. Uh, Impact this Friday night. It's Christmas party. And then nobody probably knows, but tomorrow night uh, we're going to go to John's Incredible Pizza. Um, I had more people probably text me today about being sick and not able to come tonight. Hope they get feeling better for tomorrow. Amen. So we'll just have to eat their pizza. But lots of people are sick tonight. But I hope they get to feeling better. But uh, they won't be able to be there, I'm afraid. But I hope they are. But who knows? And then Saturday work crew is the Burton's work crew. And then I want you to tell somebody what you're going to see on the next screen. Okay? So turn to someone and tell them that. You guys or you are awesome. You are awesome. It's all I can say about Sunday's deal. Uh, the drama was fantastic. Excellent, excellent job. Um, I know that that was a lots of work by Sister Kelsey and others. I, I'm not going to start naming names or I'll forget somebody, but all of the songs were just tremendous. Uh, uh, the acting was just tremendous. I, I seen some people that I thought, they're not even acting, that's them. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> why is everybody looking at somebody in here? <laughs> and I said, that's just natural. They're just playing their part, man. But we really had a good, good, good time in, uh, on Sunday. But the thing I was most impressed with is the support staff that wasn't a part of the drama. I'm talking about everybody, ushers, greeters, church people, uh, the way you guys were greeting people and, and welcoming people and communicating with people and spending time with people. It was just absolutely amazing. I'm telling you, I... I I haven't seen that in quite a while on that level. I mean, they just, you guys were off the chart, just off the chart. And I want to say thank you very, 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 very much. And then excellent job for helping Sister Tramo. She said several people have contacted her and have been helping her and offering to help her. So your pastor is real happy right now. He's just jumping up and down inside. That's the little me inside, jumping up and down. So... Thanks for helping Sister Trammell, and then just, just to tell you this, your pastor is proud of you, okay? All right. He is just proud of you. I shook my toupee right off my head because I was so proud of you, but I, I really mean it. I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate from all of you, the whole entire staff, people getting food together, the ladies donating money and people coming and helping getting the food together, the, the coffee and getting making sure it's out there. I mean, I just go on and on. And how many of you were, were thankful for that coffee and those muffins were out there, huh? Tell you, they were a big hit. When I was going around trying to welcome people, I mean, I saw almost everybody with coffee in their hands and stuff. And, but that didn't just happen. Somebody had to prepare that and get it out there. And so, again, I'm real excited. And your pastor, I wish I could do that, but I'd probably throw something out of place. So you'll just have to settle for the picture tonight. So, again, look at somebody who said, the pastor's proud of you. <laughs> and then welcome to our Bible study tonight. And uh, we've got another great uh, lesson tonight, I believe. Uh, I am going to have definitely an untraditional approach 
to this message tonight. And some of you are going to say, why in the world are you going that way? And you'll see when I get to the end, very untraditional approach to the message tonight in regards to our mission for 2020 at the Palace of Praise. There's lots of souls that need us, folks. Lots of souls who need us. Let's pray before we receive our offering tonight. And again, the, um, some of those that are sick, we're not going to be able to have uh, children's church tonight because people being sick. So children, you'll remain in here tonight. So join with me and let's pray. Lord, we're thankful again, God, tonight for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. Thankful, God, for every soul that is here tonight, God. You have allowed us to be here. I thank you, Lord, for keeping us safe, God. Again, in this week, Lord, giving us strength to be in the house of prayer. Lord, thank you for providing this place. And thankful, Lord, for the freedoms we have in this United States of America. For you, oh God, have been so good to us and to this nation, Lord. And tonight I ask you to bless this offering. And also help me, God, in delivering this message, this lesson tonight. And help us to receive the word of God. And Lord, inspire us for 2020. Your perfect will to be done. We'll give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may march around and give in the offering tonight. And, and then our ushers will be handing out the flyers here for you tonight also. Amen. Thank you. If you need a, a leaflet, if you'll raise your hand, you may be seated and raise your hand and they'll make sure you get one there working around there to you. And a couple of, two or three of these slides are from last week because again, we're going to cover this topic again this week. And what gives the feel value? Does anybody remember what that answer was last week? What was it? That's right, the wheat. The field itself, that dirt in that field is just like any other dirt on any other field throughout the entire world. But the value then of that field that we're referring to here has to do with that wheat. Because that field, that dirt, those things are going to burn up and go away. The value is in the wheat. The value is in the people, not this earth, the things we have. Tonight, we're again going to be dealing with outreach. Again, the sermon, the treasure is in the field. We're going to tie that in tonight, and we're going to look at his con the context of his very verses a little later in this lesson that Brother um, Wayne Huntley preached the other Nights. Anybody else need one? Just raise your hand, these guys. Make sure you get one. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And just to rehearse for a moment, I showed you the context of that verse. And this was right in the middle of Jesus talking to the woman of Samaria and then her going back to her city and bringing her friends, her neighbors, the other Samaritans to Jesus. What was she doing? Outreach. She was doing outreach, folks, because she went to them and said, you've got to come and see a man who told me everything that I did. What was that? That was her testimony. And that's one of the most powerful things you have is your own personal testimony. We need to be using that, folks. You say, wait a minute, I was born and raised in church. I don't have a testimony. That within itself is a greatest testimony found in this house because that God kept you. God brought your family in when you was young so you could be brought up in this.
That's a testimony. Because, folks, that's all about God. As much as God delivering you from drugs, God letting you be taken away from all of those things by God keeping you in the church is a greater testimony by far. So everyone has a testimony. And so that was what she was doing, and that's where we find this verse of Scripture. Is he said, you need to look out on the fields because they're ready. I can say this with all confidence. Folks, the fields are white, ready for harvest. Fields are white, ready for harvest. We are surrounded. Folks, we could take a baseball and hit house after house that is full of people that need to know about God. It's not 10 million miles away. I'm talking about, folks, we could throw a ball and hit the house of church of people that need to be in church. So we have a lots of people we need to reach. I know you know this stuff, but I believe Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look there at Matthew chapter 4, but Matthew chapter 4 is extremely important to our lesson this evening because in chapter 4, we find Jesus calling the disciples. So here we go. I've got them on slide, but we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 through 20. And uh, Matthew 4, 17 through 20, it says, From this time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's so interesting. He starts his message where, folks? Repentance. Starts his message with repentance. He begins now to preach, and he starts with a message of repentance. This is something that is missing in the Christian world today. They're wanting to do away with repentance. They're wanting to do away with this need to change and feel sorry for your lifestyle. And we want to start with simply a message of just love. Love and acceptance. And we do. We love people. And we are going to accept people and all the different lifestyles. And we're going to help them to go from where they are to where God wants them to be. But the message needs to begin with repentance. Love is our motivation. Love is why we do everything we do. It's because we love God and we love people. We should love people. So it motivates us. Our love causes us to talk about repentance. Our love is what drives us to help people understand they need to repent. And you're going to see at the very end of that, this, this lesson today why that is so important. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, left their net, they straightway left their nets and followed him, Matthew 4, 17 through 20. I believe this is extremely important. Why? Jesus didn't give them a position or a title. He did not say, I want you guys to come with me so you can be the CEO of my new company. He didn't say, I'm calling you to come to be an apostle. He didn't say any of those things. What he did in this verse, and this is his first communications with these men, as he's calling them, he gave them a job. Now that's scary for some folks right there. He gave them a job, and their job was soul winning. Not positions, not positions, not titles, soul winning. Everybody in this house, Your greatest call is not to your position or to a title, but to soul winning. And everybody in this house needs to be a soul winner. Amen. Whether we have titles or we have positions, that is all secondary. The first thing we need to do is be doing outreach at the Palace of Praise. Folks, how can we have revival without outreach? How can we have revival if we're not out there trying to reach these souls of these people? 
And at the end of this lesson, you're going to find out why it is extremely important for us to be reaching for people. Would you turn to Luke chapter 16, and we're going to look at 19 through 31, and I know some of you are going, in just a minute, you're going to be saying, my word, this is definitely an untraditional approach to this message tonight. But Luke 16, 19 through 31, if somebody would like to read like 19 through 25 and somebody else 26 through 31, that would probably be good if somebody would do that for us tonight. 19 through 25, someone, if you'd help us. I do this so you, they can hear different voices and you can also turn and be a part of this tonight. Yes, Brother Desmond, go ahead. Somebody 26 through 31, someone else like to help us? Thank you for reading that. Go ahead, Brother Walker. Verse 26 is a powerful verse of scripture there. It says, beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fix, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Folks, when it's over, it's over. They take their last breath and they pass from this life. It's over. There's no changing. There's no alternating it. There's no way that we're going to be able then to pray them out of hell. I'm sorry. It's a. Uh, We need to realize, folks, we may only get one or two shots at some of these folks. And could we have done more? Could we have prayed more? Could we have done something more? So that an individual would not have to go through what is written in this verse of Scripture. Look at this, folks. The rich man and Lazarus. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel to Adam Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And see, Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now I want you to see what he's saying. It's sin, Lazarus. This person I had no time for, the reject somebody we didn't want to have anything to do with, just send him. 
what he was doing, he was trying to think of the person that was least deserving to come into his house or be around him when he was on the other side. Now he's naming this one that he may just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Folks, when you start reading that and understand what he's saying, I'm, he's in a lots of pain and being tormented. It says, and I am tormented in the flames. That to him, some relief would be just a drop of water on the finger of a man that I despise. If he could just bring that drop of water on his finger and touch it to my tongue, what relief that would be. Folks, it's giving you a picture here what hell is going to be like. What hell is going to be like. And it's not like you're going to take a branch and throw into a bonfire in a few minutes, the branch is gone. That's, that's not going to happen. We don't believe in the doctrine of annihilation. We don't believe that you're going to be like a log. You're going to burn up. If that's true, then you'll have to alter the scriptures because the scriptures teach us and tell us a whole different story about that. You're saying, Pastor, this is untraditional. No, but it's interesting. I had this lesson ready before today ever unfolded, before anything happened in this day. This lesson was already ready. So don't tell me God's not talking to the palace of praise. Don't tell me that God's not talking to us, that he wants us to get up and get out because people are going to spend eternity somewhere. This is a book that was written by Reverend Rob Bell. It's called Love Wins. And in this book, he argues that once Christ died on the cross, there is no need for hell. There is no need for hell. <laughs> well, buddy, you and I strongly disagree. I talked about the message a while ago that Brother Huntley had preached. Hell is a New Testament thing, too. It's not just something that was under the law. No, folks, I'm going to show you in a minute. Hell's been around a long time. And hell is created for a reason. But hell is also mentioned in the New Testament. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. You guys remember the sermon from Brother Wayne Huntley. The treasure is in the field. Now then, let's look at the rest of the context of this portion of Scripture. Then that goes next one. That's the treasures in the field, and again, context. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and set down and gathered the good into the vessel but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The treasure is in the field, folks. But if we don't get that treasure out of the field, they're going to spend eternity in hell. That treasure that's in the field, folks, has a destination. And we better wake up and realize it's more important than just us securing our salvation. But there's a lot of other people that need to know that Jesus died for them and that Jesus loves them. Can I get an amen in this house tonight? For if God spared not the angels that sinned, I'm in the New Testament, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now, where did God cast them if there's no hell? 
Where did he cast him if there is no hell? This is the word of God. He said they cast into hell and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in flood. I want you to get your mind around what he's doing right here. He's talking about the angels casting. Now he goes to Noah, eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world, world of the ungodly. Now he goes, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an, an, an overthrow, making them an example unto those that are after should live ungodly. <laughs> Let me tell you what, an example, yeah, God's going to judge us just like he judged them. We are all going to stand before everybody you walk by today is going to stand before the judge of all the earth. Every person you spoke to today is going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for their life. Person you saw at the restaurant today, the gas station in the grocery store, walking down the street as you drove by, the people sitting in the cars, every single individual you saw today it's going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for themselves. Folks, do we not have a great responsibility? Now look at this whole context of this. And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelleth, dwelling among them is in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth not knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm tell you what, God is able to keep you in all of your temptation, all your struggles. Why? Because God's love wants to make sure you don't go to hell, but you get to go to heaven. That's the love of God. Look, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Oh, but hell, it's not for real. It's, we, hell isn't needed anymore because we got the cross of Calvary. What a fool. Yeah, amen. Amen. To be real honest, I can't believe he's even got the name Reverend in front of his name because you say, oh, you need to be careful. No, I'm sorry. You should read about in the New Testament when they talk about these false prophets and talk about these people that twist the word of God and take parts out in what they say. Huh. Let them be cursed at the coming of Jesus Christ. So I think I can speak a little bold here. It's sad that he's got the name Reverend in front of his name and then try to say that there is no hell. My Lord and my God, there is a hell. There is a hell, folks. There is absolutely a hell. I'm not trying to be negative. Now. I'm trying. I felt in prayer. This is the direction I needed to go with this lesson tonight. To be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they self-will. They are not afraid to speak evil dignities. And I could go on in that chapter there. But my point was this. As much as God loves us enough to keep us from going to hell. For those that will not do what's right, he's bound by his word to send them to hell. Folks, if he is going to say, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to judge you, I'm not going to punish you, then he's going to have to go back and apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to have to go back and, and apologize to the ones that he flooded out during Noah's day. He's going to have to apologize to every one of them that he judged for their sin in the Old Testament if he's going to let everybody else get away. But it makes it very clear he's got a place that he's going to send those that do not do right, folks. And it's hell. It, this is a lesson in a sermon you don't hear much on. That's hell. Maybe we should preach more about hell and maybe people would realize they need to get right with God. But hell is a reality, folks. Now get this. I'm still in the New Testament. This is all New Testament. I didn't just do the Gospels. I just read you from Peter. Now I'm going to give you some more from it. Judgment 
before the great white throne. Look at this. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What people? People that died today will stand in judgment. People that died 4,000 years ago are going to stand in judgment. The people that will die tomorrow are going to be the same ones who are going to stand in this judgment. This is about every single living individual that has ever lived, folks, is going to stand in a place of judgment. That's what this verse is talking about. And look, and the sea gave up the dead. Oh, I can run and hide from God. You cannot. Some people want to have their, they want to be uh, cremated and then they want their ashes dumped in the sea because they think they can escape God. Folks, you can't kill your soul, number one. And your soul's going to live forever. All you're doing is killing the shell that's already dead if you're being cremated. And what good is you, are you doing? <laughs> and the, do you think God could not bring that back together? Hello? It's God. You're not being able to hide from God. What are you saying? They're not going to be able to hide from God. Everybody has an appointment. And everybody's going to keep that appointment. And only God knows what time that is. And none of us do, because if we did, we would act different, we would pray different, and we would have done different. But we can't go back and change what happened even today. There's no possible way, as much as we want to. And the sea gave up of the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. It's important that you remember that phrase right there, according to their works. Everybody say, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell. Hell is real. Look at your neighbor said, hell is for real. This is the question that some people want to ask in regards to the reality of hell. They ask this question, how could a perfectly loving God send someone to hell? Here's the reality, and it's on your, it's on your thing. Reality is God sends no one to hell. The verse of scripture you just saw just a moment ago says, according to their works. If you go to hell, don't blame God for throwing you there. You made a choice. It's your own works. It's your own choices, your own stuff. that's getting there. The sad part it is, we in this house know what's right and wrong and we get to choose, but there's a whole bunch of people around us they don't even know. They don't even know that there's a God. They don't know his name is Jesus. They don't know that they need to change. They think this is just what mom and dad did. They lived, party, had their great time, and they died, and now they're just going to the ground, back to the dirt they came from, and it's all going to be over, and I'll just live my life, and that's the way it's going to be with me too. They have no clue, folks. I'm talking about people in these, uh, these duplexes right straight across the road. I'm talking about the neighbors on the other side of me here, and the people right down there in these duplexes. I'm talking about the people on the other side of this road. People that don't even know that hell is real. In fact, hell was created, was not, everybody say not, not created for people. It was not. Go study your book. You're going to find out. Hell was not created for people. 
So don't be saying, well, God's such a loving God. He's not going to do that stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you what. He did it to the people in Noah's day. He did it for Sodom and Gomorrah. He did it for others. Folks, do you not think he's going to do it for those that don't do what is right today? Absolutely. Why? He cannot do anything that violates his word. And he's already promised that's what he's going to do. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night for two days. What does it say, folks? I'm here to tell you, you're not just going to burn up. They're not just going to burn up. It's not just, oh, all of a sudden they're just going to go there and it's going to be over with and, and a few minutes and that's the end of the story. Folks, I'm going to tell you what, you've never felt a fire like you're going to feel when you get to hell. And you know what your greatest torment's going to be? Is that you said in a Wednesday night Bible study in the year 2019 and heard a pastor talk about hell and you made a choice. Don't you ever think, I'm going to tell you what, what's going to torment you to know that you could have been out of hell and been in heaven and that's what's going to torment you. Other people, they don't even know but you do know, my Lord and God, you are so blessed. You should be thanking God every day that he led you to truth and let you know what you need to do. Oh, hallelujah, folks. Tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell was created for the devil and his demons. That's why he created it, not for people. That was not what it was created for. Folks, because what? The devil fell before there was ever an earth. The angels were kicked out of heaven way before there was ever an earth. This was already done. And God created him a place to go, and that's called hell. He didn't create it for humanity. He created it for the devil and his demons. We have a better understanding of the love of God when we understand the reality of hell. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Only in seeing the reality of hell can we see a God who loved us enough to wrap himself in flesh and die on a cross to keep us out of hell. When we understand the reality of hell, he's going, I got to do something to keep them out of that place called hell. And it's so important that I'm going to leave the throne of glory and I'm going to go down to that earth and I'm going to wrap myself, I'm going to condescend down to humanity, wrap myself in flesh and I'm going to become like them so I can allow the very people that I created to take me to a cross and beat me and beat me and nail, put nails into my hands and to my feet and then to pierce a spear into my side and kill me. Why? That's where you see the love of God. He loved you enough to what? Not just let you have no hope at all, but just go on your way. Folks, if you're not a Jew, you wouldn't even have been able to even have any chance at all. We as Gentiles had absolutely no chance. It's when he came on the cross that then he opened the door to the Gentiles and gave us an opportunity, what? To escape hell, folks. And what's even more important, that we can live in heaven with the almighty God of heaven that did this for us, folks. Oh, my, that's going to be such a great experience. Hallelujah. I'm going to read it one more time. Only in seeing the reality of hell can we see a God who loved us enough to wrap himself in flesh and die on a cross to keep us out of hell. As sure as there is a, there's a heaven, there's also a hell. Oh, you, let me tell you something. There's very few churches that don't preach about heaven. But as much as there is a heaven, there is a hell. How do you know? It's right here. It's right here in this book. It's right here in this book. It's the word of God. So, pastor, why in the world would you start teaching about outreach tonight and go with those verses right there. Well, I think it's obvious. So that statement leads us to this question. 
what are the first steps I need to take to prepare myself to go to heaven? What are the first steps that I need to do to be able to prepare myself to be able to go to heaven? Well, the first steps we're going to do, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Most everybody in this house, if you can't quote it perfectly, you can almost quote it perfectly. But I'm afraid we don't get the message. See, plan of salvation is definitely repentance. It's definitely baptism in Jesus' name. And it is definitely receiving the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. Would anybody in this house agree with me on that statement? First steps is repentance. I'm not, you've got to believe there's a God and that's going to drive you and pull you and God's going to, you can't come to God unless he draws you anyway. But the plan of salvation. Do you really believe that an individual must obey the plan of salvation to enter heaven? How many people in this house believe they're going to have to obey that plan of salvation? Do you really believe they've got to repent? Do you really believe they've got to be baptized in Jesus' name? Not just baptized, baptized in Jesus' name. Do you really believe that they're going to have to, it's mandatory to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues? Do you really believe that, church? Do we really, really genuinely believe that message? If they don't get to go to heaven... Where are they going to spend eternity? Two options, heaven and hell. So if they're not going to heaven, then where are they going to spend eternity, church? Who's going to tell your family, friends, neighbor, and co-workers about the plan of salvation? Well, Pastor, we'll just wait and you come by and tell them. The reality is that's probably never going to happen. So who's going to tell your family? Who's going to tell your friends? Who's going to tell your neighbors? Who's going to tell your co-workers about the plan of salvation? If you were them, wouldn't you want to know the truth? Let's say... It's not you here tonight. But God's seen fit to pick somebody else in your family right. and put them in this church, and you're out there. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, and even with our Bible study tonight, wouldn't you want them to tell you about this truth? Huh? Yeah. Wouldn't you at least want to know, at least have the option to make a decision in regards to salvation? At least to know that I could reject it or accept it. Wouldn't you want to at least have the chance to know? There are only two eternal options. Heaven or hell. There's no other choice. And everybody you saw today are going to spend eternity in one of these two places. The hospital today, somebody's backing up to that hospital today and putting an individual in that, hauling them off today. All my prayers is not going to change that. And all the sermon and preparation I do and studies and Bible studies and it's not going to change that now door shut. Why? Big gulf between us and them. Trying to ring the bell of the palace of praise and don't tell me that God doesn't know where we are at at the palace of praise. I had three individuals yesterday alone who contacted me and I either, I'm not going to go all that, but three different people. I'm going to tell you what, there are people that are desperately hungry for truth out there and God is leading them to the palace of praise.
Folks, did you realize when we sat down and that drama began out, at the, out there in that gym on Sunday, we had more guests than we had saints sitting in the seats? Because there were so many people doing support work, which I, I'm just blows me away. We had ushers and greeters and people fixing food and a whole bunch of drama people up there. We had literally more people. I counted them. More people setting their guests than there was of us saints that were setting there. Awesome. I want to say awesome. Thank God for that. Thank you for inviting them. Thank you for us praying that God would open doors. Thank you for fasting that God would send them here. I'm telling you, there are hungry hearts out there. There are people that want to come. This lady again, she said, I can't get there, but I'm going to get there. I'm still recovering from the surgery, but I'm going to get there. There are people just like that. They're going to come. And I'm excited about that, folks. But there's still so many more. We've got to start viewing people as more than just, oh, it's just another person. We've got to start looking them in as a soul that's going to spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. Our vision for 2020, we've got to start looking and we've got to start reaching, folks. Somebody say amen. amen. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, have compassion, making a difference. And of some, having compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, folks. Get the message? Get the message? It's active. We're going to have to start being active in our efforts. We're going to have to stop being passive and start being active in... Folks... We've got to get past the point that we're just saying, oh, okay, they didn't really want. We're going to have to really start praying. We're really going to have to start talking. We're really going to have to start reaching. We're really going to have to start reaching. We're really going to have to start reaching. Come on, church. We, if we don't get this message and we don't get a hold of us and we don't get a burden for souls, we're going to end de December 2020 and it'll be us if all of us make it to that. But what I want to see when we get to 2020 December, I want to see twice as many of us. Because if 36 can show up or whatever it was on Sunday and outnumber us, then folks in this year of 2020, then folks at the end of it, we can have as many of us here that wasn't here now. Amen. Some of you don't believe that. I believe it. I see God working and God is doing some miraculous things. And I believe there are hungry people out there that need to know more about Jesus Christ. The Palace of Praise is part of a certified hell intervention program. <laughs> we are a part of the hell intervention program. Why? I taught on doctrine many, 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 many weeks ago. And I told you, I went and looked at the websites of churches all around us. And I looked at their doctrine. I looked at what they're teaching and what they believe. Here's the reality. I did not find any church, not one church on all of the many. And I told you, I went, I, got, I, put, I didn't put a list, but I told you, I forgot how many, I numbered how many of those websites I went to. Not one of them, not one of them posted the plan of salvation. Not one of them said you had to completely, this was, some might say you need to repent and some might say you need to be baptized or some might say you need to receive the Holy Ghost but not one said you need to be baptized in Jesus' name and none of them were saying you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues. Somebody getting the message tonight? So then, that makes this place who is a certified hell intervention program extremely important to the Aloha Beaverton area and to Washington County. If nobody else is telling the message and we have the message, then God has put it on our shoulders and needs to put it, kick us in the seat of the pants and get us up off our seat to say, hey, we gotta step in and intervene on people who are headed to hell. 
Who's going to pull them out of hell if we're not pulling them out of hell? Who's going to stand in the gap and make up the way? Who's going to be the ones that's going to help? Who's going to tell them? The neighboring churches are not going to tell them. It's up to us to tell them, folks. Well, they're going to get angry at me. I'm going to tell you how angry they're going to be at you when they end up in hell and they know you knew the truth and you didn't tell them. That's when they're really going to be mad at you. But my family's going to reject you. Honey, you may have to face rejection, but if you can just have one of them, just one of them to say, hey, I, I get it, and you see them baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, it's going to be worth all that you're going to have to go through to get them in that tank. Amen, folks. Checking our vision at the Palace of Praise for 2020. The Palace of Praise is on a mission, folks. We need to pull some people out of hell. I said, we need to pull some people out of hell. I said, we need to pull some people out of hell. Today I was sitting and about to go into the store there and, and I was sitting there in my truck and in front of me was three individuals, three homeless individuals. I talked to them. Three homeless individuals. One had a, he had a, I don't know if it was wine or what it was, but that thing was this big around and this tall. And the other guy was just yelling and cussing at him, saying, put that in a bag. People don't want you to see that. Put that thing in a bag. And they were so drunk. And I just sat there a moment, and I was praying about for those guys. And then another, here come another guy. Right while I was doing another guy walking by, he had a cup, a coffee cup in his hand, and, and he was yelling into the coffee cup. Yo, bro, battling with spirits, blown his mind on drugs. I don't know what it is. And I sat there and I was praying and I felt like the Lord told me, he said, that's your people. That's your people. Folks, we got to view them as our responsibility. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our family, they're our people. Oh, I'm not kin to them. I don't even, the one guy, I tried to get his name. He, didn't, he couldn't even tell me what his name was. I don't even know them at all, but there are people. Why? Because they're right here. They're close to this church. They're our responsibility. And if we are going to keep them from going to hell and they're going to keep from going to hell, it's going to be up to us to step into that gap, pray for them like we've never prayed before, and they may have their mind blown on drugs, but I know a God that is able to straighten out a mind and help an individual and come back to reality. The one guy, he had maybe a two or three teeth in his head. You could tell he's had major, done major, major drug stuff. Oh, God don't want those kind of people. God wants everybody. I said, God wants everyone. We need to pray them out of hell. Come on, somebody, if you agree, we need to say amen. we got to pray them out of hell. It's going to be more than just us getting in service and me teaching and preaching and, and, and our choir, our, our praise singers singing and the drums and all the music and all that stuff and us getting together and having a good time. It's going to take more. We're going to have to pray them out of hell. We're going to have to fast them out of hell. We're gonna, if we're going to pull them out of hell, we're going to have to fast them out of hell. We're going to have to pray them out of hell. You want your family out, you're going to have to pray them out, you're going to have to fast them out. You're going to have to break some chains because they can't break them themselves. We'll need God. We're going to have to get a hold of God to help us, folks, because I don't think we got a lots of time, but we got a lots of people we got to reach. Come on, can somebody say amen? Our community is depending on us to fight the spiritual fight for their deliverance. It's up to us. Well, Pastor, what's your focus then? What's your focus for the palace of praise? Here's our focus. It's everybody. <laughs> it's everybody. Okay, they're way out there and they're closer to the Hillsborough Church. Good, we'll win them and we'll send them over there. Well, they live right next to Brother Brock's church. All right, let's win them, get them Bible study. And if it's hard for them to get here, let's get them. I don't care where they're going to church. I just need to see them, what, 
the plan of salvation fulfilled in them li their life and get them ready to make it to heaven, folks. Amen. Our focus is everybody. The verse is, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. John 4, 35. Well, Pastor, what time is it? Go ye therefore. It's time to go. It's time we get out of this building and get out on the streets, the highways, and start working to win the loss. It's going to have to be intentional. Go into your coffee shop to get your coffee. Make sure you got a card in your pocket so when you're standing there, you can strike up a conversation and make sure they get that card. Lady that's coming, but the Desiree, he has to drive. That's what he's doing. He hands a card to almost everybody. <laughs> Some people won't take it, he says, but everybody will take it. He gives them a card. And he's got a captivated audience. If they'll listen, he'll talk to them. He's prayed for people in his car and stuff. Thank God for Brother Desiree and doing what he's doing. But we've all got to get into it. Why? It's time for us to go. Folks, it's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. We can't wean and say, okay, Brother Brock Church will do it, Brother Wiggins Church, or Brother Williams Church, or, or maybe even Brother Huffman's Church way out there in the Renko Station. They'll, they'll get the job done. No, we're going to have to get the job done. Does anybody in this house know anybody that's lost? Do you know anybody that's lost? Do you know anybody that needs the plan of salvation? You say, well, Pastor, uh, the reason why it's my, my iPad is dead because I didn't have time to charge it today has been, uh, I would say, a very interesting day, to say the least. A very, very interesting day, to say the least. I had this message all done, ready to go before this day began, and thank God I did because I would not have had time to have done this today. Matter of fact, give me just a moment. See where it starts, so just give me just a finger. I want to just read you a news story. Here's a news story posted today at this evening at 3.51 p.m. Wells Fargo spokesman Dave Kennedy said the person killed in Wednesday morning stabbing was a customer of the bank. He said the bank was complying with the police investigations that they would have counselors available for the bank staff members. One woman was killed in a series of stabbings Wednesday morning at 11 at and around the Beaverton Bank, police said. Four people were stabbed. Two of the stabbings occurred inside the Wells Fargo Bank in the city. Furry Hill Marketplace. One nearby Planet Fitness as a suspect tried to steal a car and a fourth in Tiger as the suspect again tried to steal a car. Suspect drove into the Tiger area where he was apprehended and Officer Matt Henderson, a Beaverton police spokesman, said the suspect was described as a 20-year-old man. Officials did not release his name. Police released no information about the circumstances of the stabbings. It wasn't immediately clear in if the stabbings were part of a bank robbery. Dylan Pickett said he pulled up to Insomni Coffee Company, which is next door to Wells Fargo, and saw the officers heading into the bank. A female employee was holding open the door for the officers. She looked at me and said she was crying. Pickett told the Argonian, all 
<clears throat> all of the mascara was running down her face. Pickett, a 35-year-old man, later saw a badly injured woman being brought out of the bank on a stretcher. She had, she had so much bandaging on her face, it looked as if she had an airplane pillow over her face. The woman was loaded into an ambulance and taken away. Ken Wilson said he was at a Planet Fitness two doors down from the bank at 11.05 a.m. when staff told patrons of the gym, the gym that the gym was in lockdown. One of the stabbing victims was brought inside shortly thereafter. Staffers began treating him, who appeared to be in gravely hurt. He's in critical condition. It was pretty far away, and I could could see that there was a lots of blood, said Wilson, 33. It was totally unreal. Staff treated the man until paramedics arrived, and he was whisked away. Wilson, who lives at a nearby apartment complex, didn't know the man's state at that point. The attack, he said, just feels so very, very wrong. It was the middle of the day at a place I go to every day that half this neighborhood goes to almost every day, he said. I won't read you the rest of the story. So why is that such a big deal, Pastor? Well, I'll tell you one that's a big deal for everybody who's in this house. It's because the lady that uh, was stabbed went in there just to get two, two money orders for her grandkids for Christmas. She was with her sister, I mean with her daughter. She was just standing in line minding her own business when a man decided to try to rob the bank with a knife. And for some reason, they still don't know why, he turned and stabbed them. Then went in the parking lot, stabbed another man, stole his car, Drove it a ways, got out, hijacked another car by stabbing another woman, stole her car until they finally caught him. He ran on his feet and tigered. Oh, what's that big deal? I'll tell you why that's a big deal. I've had communications with that lady who died in that Wells Fargo just recently. Yeah, a backslider. Just went into that bank. See, we never know what one day will hold. I had this lesson ready before this ever happened. It's the reason why I was late getting in here and got back too late. Tried, I didn't have my stuff printed out, so I had to go print that stuff out. So, so what's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you what the big deal is. It's what I was saying. How many more individuals are we going to say should I have prayed more? Should I have fasted more? What in the world could I have done to have kept this from happening? One person dies. One out of all those people. And what's the possibilities? Because the other daughter had said she almost took her with her, took her mom with her, who was going to go to get some work done on the car first and then go by the bank. But no, the other sister decided to take it. And that sister is right now, we just came from the hospital. That sister right now is at the hospital and just got out of emergency surgery because he stabbed her in the neck also. And guess what? That individual they stabbed in the neck was used to go over to the Tiger Church and Brother Dinwiddie's church. He stabbed her let me tell you what, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know why in the world all this happened and that the person's asked that several times and I have no answer because there is no answer, Bishop. I don't have no answer why. How can I say why God did that? I have no clue of why God did that. But I can tell you one thing, if the fact to know that our family, our friends, our coworkers are going to hell and we've got a chance to keep them from going to hell and that don't stir us up, then I really question if we even got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because if it can't stir us to the point that we say, if I don't do it, 
Nobody else is going to do it. I got to do it. I don't care what my personality is or how I feel or if I feel a little embarrassed, it don't matter. I've got to do this. Why? Because I had no clue that I, we weren't going to get another shot at her. had no clue. I thought we were doing well, Bishop. I thought we were, we were going to be able to... I thought, man, this is looking really promising. This is looking like we're going to get it. But I think maybe God and everything, I can't figure out why, and I'm not saying this is rude, but maybe God's just, on this night when I'm going to teach this lesson, maybe he's trying to send a message to this palace of praise saying, that could be someone you're walking by. Could be some of your family that they may not get Friday and they may not be able to come on Sunday. What he's saying, I think God's trying to wake up the palace of praise to let us know if we don't do it, nobody's going to do it. So let's get off, off our hinder parts. Let's get out there and let's start reaching the lower Beaverton area. And by some, God, give us strength. Give us boldness in the Holy Ghost. Let us pray like we never prayed before. Let us fast like we have never fasted before. Let us reach like we have never reached before. Can somebody say amen? amen. We still got the family, that family too, that's got association with the church that folks need our prayers and we need to be reaching for them. I want us to stand and we're going to pray for them.